Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Millennial Movie Club. I'm Jazz Zapatos, and one time in fourth grade, I went to the bathroom. Sometimes it just like gets a little crazy down there, and I like peed all over the back of my pants. And so I turned on the sink and flooded the bathroom at school, and then sat down in it, and then walked back to class saying like, I just slipped in a huge puddle because the pipes were broken in the bathroom and got away with it. Yeah, it's perfect crime. And I'm Dan, and when I was younger, I thought my dad was black and my mom was white. Scoomy? Yeah, because, so I, I was talking to my mom about how much I love Martin Luther King, and she was like, yeah, yeah, of course, he's great. And I was like, yeah, because you and dad couldn't be together. And she had to like sit me down and tell me that my dad was white. Why did you think <laughs> otherwise? Oh, yeah, I'll well, have to I show you a picture. Like, you wouldn't think that these two people are the same race. He's like a really tan Jew. She's like a really white Irish woman. He's so dark because apparently like 99.9% of his body is covered in moles. I think he's just mole colored. Wow. I hope he's gotten those checked out. He gets them checked out like every month. Cool. Jeff Levine, if you're listening and we know that you are, (laughs) I apologize for your son's outlandish comments about your body moles, your full body moles. I don't think Um, he's too embarrassed about it. And I apologize to your dermatologist for all the insane amounts of work he's had to do over the years. It's a lot. He spends hours. Uh, Well, I'm Boris, and I once super glued my pants to my leg. My friends and I were arguing about what movie to watch, and I really wanted everyone to watch Bebe's Kids. And so I forget what the (laughs) alternative was that they were gunning for, but I super glued the cassette inside the cardboard box that the cassette is in so that they couldn't open it. And I thought that'd be a funny way to prevent it. And then I put the super glue in my pocket and didn't properly cap it. (laughs) The super glue spilled down my leg. And then I met like one of my closest friends that I'm still like very close friends with. The first time he met me was like three people trying to help rip off my pants from my leg. And did you sustain any injuries? Um, no, and we did watch Baby as Kids. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so it was a happy ending. Yeah, we wanted. That riveting story from our own guest today, Mr. Boris Hyken. Thank you. Welcome to the Millennial Movie Woo. Club. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. In case any of you are too deaf to know, Boris came to America as a refugee from the former Soviet Union, where his comedy was often described as, get the fuck out of our country. He's performed on College Humor Live, was listed by Time Out New York as one of Brooklyn Comedy Festival's biggest stars, and he's done warm-up for Comedy Central's The Opposition. He's been seen in Bull, Broad City, The First Purge, Amazon Prime's Red Oaks, and is a regular guest on the Comedy Cellars Live from America podcast. He's also on a Webby for his work as a writer and director at We the Internet. Isn't that neat? Wow. Wow. Of course, you're a bigger deal than I even knew. Whoa. (laughs) That's a lot. And I know a lot of shit. You know, I try to know a lot of shit about people. I know. I should have emailed you my formal bio the first time we met so you were aware. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've like hung out with you and like wish I had known I was in the presence of someone. Yeah, but you would have acted all like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, then he never would have agreed to come on. So, (laughs) well, we're super stoked to have you. Thank you for coming on, especially to discuss a movie as epic as what's on the menu today. Get your ponchos ready, kids, because we are talking Waterworld. Fuck yeah. Boris 
suggested this movie and as soon as he said it, I was so, so down because I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid. And at the time I just loved it. And then I heard about all this stuff about this huge backlash against it and I never understood it. So I thought I was going to watch this and be like, oh man, I guess it really was shitty. I don't think so. I think this movie fucking rules. I don't know if I'd say it rules, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the, the backlash I think was more because they spent an insane amount of money and never made yeah. it back. Yeah. And I Correct. read that Steven Spielberg even told them not to shoot it on the open waters because of difficulties he'd had with Jaws. And he was like, this is a bad idea, dude, in like, I guess, sets and pools and stuff like that. But no, they did it in open waters and they spent a whole lot of money to do it. Kevin Reynolds did not give a shit. He didn't give a shit. And two years before, Jurassic Park had the same problems, like filming off Hawaii. They had these like storms that wrecked everything and they just didn't learn their lesson. Wow. The storms killed all the dinosaurs. They had to start (laughs) from scratch and regrow them. Yeah, but then they get that awesome scene where they take them out of the shell. That's pretty cool. You know, they get to do that over and over again. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> like, we're so over budget from regrowing those dinosaurs, you guys. We don't have time to let Samuel L. Jackson come up with a better catchphrase. <laughs> I thought it was a great one. Spent $80 million and slaughtered 17 interns. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like this movie was like going to an amusement park where it like looks really cool. It's fun and loud. And after a while, you're like, all right, I don't need to revisit this again for like another 10 years. Was steampunk (laughs) a thing already when this movie came out? Because it's a real steampunk That's the word that I use. That's the exact word that I use. Lots of gears and shit. It's like steampunk cave people. Yeah, well, I mean. It's like what it looked like. I think think it was. Well, whether they like knew that was what it's called or not, like they went to the producers and they were like, we could just make a Mad Max ripoff. So like. Mad Max was already a thing, and in this, in a way, it's like very right. similar. A lot of people complained about that too. They were just like, "This is a Mad Max ripoff, and it's way more boring." Yeah, I didn't realize how old steampunk was. I thought it just came out with the uh, Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when it reached its, was, its acme. It's, <laughs> it's pinnacle. <laughs> Shall we? Set the scene? Yeah, absolutely. The description of this movie reads, After the melting of the polar ice caps, most of the globe is underwater. Some humans have survived, and even fewer still, notably the mariner, have adapted to the ocean by developing gills. Alone or by nature, the mariner reluctantly befriends Helen and her young companion, Enola, as they escape from a hostile artificial island. Soon, the sinister smokers are pursuing them in the belief that Enola holds the key to finding the mythical dry land. That was a lot. You just went through a significant portion of the movie right there. Yeah, I don't know what else we're going to talk about. (laughs) But I learned two things. One, that his character is called the Mariner, because I just didn't hear them name him the whole time. And two, that dry land, it's one word capitalized capital D yeah like Disneyland or like Iceland you know there's a lot of like phrases in this movie that they're trying to make a thing that was my biggest criticism is like they should have just leaned into it being camp right because there's all these moments that are goofy and fun particularly Dennis Hopper the whole time (laughs) and if they just made the whole movie what Dennis Hopper was doing that would have been great but I bet it was Kevin Costner that was like no this is going to be a work of art and we will take it seriously Mm -hmm. 
A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. It was Costner versus Hopper, for real. It took itself way too seriously for what it was. It was in between a lot of those things, I, I agree. Like, it wasn't all the way campy. It wasn't all the way sentimental. It wasn't any cerebral, but it fit into a bunch <laughs> of camps, which maybe it didn't necessarily reap the rewards of any of them. This movie was directed by Kevin Reynolds, and though he had a promising start, thanks to early support from Steven Spielberg, he was sort of sporadically successful in Hollywood, some on and off hits. He kind of never recovered once he and Kevin Costner had like a huge falling out in post-production of this movie. He just never regained his footing in the industry. So don't fuck with Costner, yeah, I guess. Is the... <laughs> Speaking of, the lead actor and producer on the film, Kevin Costner, who plays the Mariner, he is an Academy Award-winning actor who starred in some of the most critically acclaimed films of the 80s and 90s Field of Dreams, Dances with Wolves JFK, Bull Durham you name it. I think Nicolas Cage is my Kevin Costner. Like I like wow. him in the way that people might like Kevin Costner and I don't take Kevin Costner seriously in the way people might not take Nicolas Cage seriously. Oh interesting. We've got our villain of the film, the deacon played by Dennis Hopper. He was on a roll. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He had his screen debut alongside the original Hollywood bad boy and his mentor, James Dean, in Rebel Without a Cause in 1955. Damn. And then nearly shot his career in the foot because of his penchant for being difficult on set. I mean, he kind of fell off the tracks a bit because of uh, drugs and alcohol. But then he reached sobriety in the early 80s and made a crazy comeback with movies like Blue Velvet, River's Edge, True Romance, and of course, Speed. 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 Which was the same character as this. It's the same thing. And it's also the same as King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers. It's the same thing. <laughs> How did I leave that out? Yeah, that's my favorite. We've got Jean Triplehorn, who plays Helen. We know her from Big Love, Basic Instinct, The Firm, Sliding Doors. And we have our child actor of the movie, Tina Mejorino. Never heard of her outside this. Me neither. Has she been in anything? She was in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, oh. shit. Yeah, she was. And then fun fact, Jack Black is in this movie as a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> really? I did not notice that. Yes. Apparently, one of the writers was Joss Whedon. He's in Again? fucking everything. Yeah. On this movie? And just not credited? Movie, yeah. How was, was the writing so bad? He had a terrible time. He was supposed to come in and just punch up the script for like a week. He ended up staying there for seven weeks. And he described it as seven weeks of hell. He was too busy hitting on cast members the whole time. <laughs> yes, that's right. Right. He's like, no one would sleep with me. It sucked. He said, I wrote a few puns and a few scenes that I can't even sit through because they came out so bad. There Oof. were some moments in there, like in the writing, because that really is like they spent so much money. You'd think that they would spend money on like punch-ups and fixing. Like right. He like had that like mirror from a car and they were like mesmerized mm -hmm. by it. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe they like don't have glass in this world. And then later someone called it a reflection glass and I'm like wait so they have glass but they don't know what a mirror is they never held that right. glass in front of something <laughs> dark and opaque right there's so right. many of those parts there's a lot of here. that like the world building is pretty sloppy the visual world building I think is great the like yeah. actual like logic world building is has a lot of holes in it right right from a very high level like the, just even the premise of it doesn't really make yeah sense, like global but... warming is not real so how does the movie even <laughs> <exist>? <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> 
<laughs> this is fantasy. Every week, I bring in three to four reviews on this movie, and I read them out loud. So starting with the most normal one, Kenneth Turan from the LA Times writes, a moderately successful guys movie with both weak and strong elements where lots of things are brilliantly blown up and few things make any kind of sense. Well, that's exactly what we just which said. Which I felt yeah. really captured <laughs> it. Good. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a guys movie though because it's not like that brutal in terms of stuff getting blown up. It's not so much that I feel like the average woman I know would be turned off by it and there's enough like no. relationship building that I feel like it's not yeah. that gendered. But I wouldn't call it a gals movie. No, but it stars this little gal. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Alternate title for the movie, The Little Wet Gal. <laughs> oh, no. Was that Dryland or Epstein Island? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I think that like there's some stuff like Dennis Hopper's eye looks fucking terrible. The fin thing freaked me out. You mean his behind ear vagina? Oh, yeah. yes. Maybe that will freak you out less now the next time you watch Waterworld, if you can view it in a more erotic way. Or the next time you see a fish, you're going to end up fucking him. <laughs> right in the gill. Right, right in the gill, as is tradition. <laughs> Someone else who didn't love this film, our good friend Roger Ebert, gave it two and a half stars. The cost controversy aside, Waterworld is a decent futuristic action picture with some great sets, some intriguing ideas, and a few images that will stay with me. It could have been more, it could have been better, and it could have made me care about the characters. It's one of those marginal pictures you're not unhappy to have seen, but can't quite recommend. That's exactly right. Man, this is going to make for a great episode, this movie that we're all like, mm-hmm, Oh, sure. no, I am. Dan loved it. Yeah, I think we're a gradient. I definitely like it the best. I'm guessing that okay. Boris liked it the second best and Jazz, you liked it the third. I didn't dislike it. That's the thing. It's like, I just was there. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I was on and off on my phone. Like if I didn't have to write extensive notes while watching it, I probably would not have paid as close attention. Oh, I like um, it so much. Pulled two Amazon reviews. Mr. Daniel Taylor writes, what the hell? Terrible movie, but absolutely hilarious if stoned. Which yeah probably yeah I believe spot it. On. it checks out. Miss Zoe Paris was not thrilled. She writes, "It's not that bad. It's worse. Maybe if they spent less time on all the explosions, they could have hired some decent writers." I really kept wishing every character in the movie would blow up, drown, or die a horrible death. This movie was a washout in every way. Water barf, water weak, water bad, water bore. Jeez. Zoe needs to smoke a joint. Right. Zoe needs to go hang out with Daniel Taylor yeah. <laughs> and maybe she'll like it a little bit better. Also, it'll make her a little more creative in her reviews. How desperate for attention with her corny ass <laughs> water bar. <laughs> Zoe, your review is the water world of water world reviews. So don't get too fucking cocky. Spend two hours writing that shit. Yes. You said water barf. Water hurl was right there. Oh, yeah. Water hurl. Just got to reach out and take it, man. Yeah, I mean, really quickly, like the final total of the movie, it started out as with a 65 million budget. It went to 175 million. So 175 million is still, with inflation, like 10th highest movie of all time. It would come out to like $300 million. It was the most expensive movie the ever made at the time. Yeah. I mean, there was... 
like uh, these elaborate sets would get completely destroyed. The floating atoll, it weighed a thousand tons and measured a quarter mile in circumference. I mean, these things were like massive sets. They spent a bunch of money on them. They would get destroyed and they would have to rebuild them. But it did open at number one on the box office. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It made $88 million in North America and another $176 million. After like all is said and done, people have done the math. They think that they broke even eventually. Eventually, by the time Blu-rays came out. This was 1995 and the Blu-ray came out in 2009. It's a long time to wait for that. Man, what a waste of perfectly good dollars. Millennials could all buy homes if we had just That's not true. made water They could have prevented global warming from (laughs) creating (laughs) the world which they prophesized and then i just wanted to bring up one more thing about how dangerous this thing was the mom and the daughter were thrown from the boat when the bow snapped off and they nearly drowned they had to get 12 divers to rescue them why didn't kevin costner just do it i don't know because he can breathe underwater but he was too busy editing this film apparently which he did wait what he finished the editing or like was a supervisor maybe or something i I don't think he's like actually doing this yeah there's no way he sat behind a fucking desk i think he sat behind someone (laughs) who sat behind a desk because the the director just pieced out wow the stunt coordinator for the underwater scenes got the bends an almost fatal case of the bends and then costner almost died too he was lashed to the mat of his boat and then it just drifted off to sea and it took him like half an hour to bring him back and he almost died wow where was everybody else finding more cigarettes they were like purposely like busy yeah exactly (laughs) give him another 15 minutes out there (laughs) yeah maybe he'll calm down a bit like uh let's take lunch (laughs) this is a good time as any yeah so it's got a fraught history but I guess we could just dive right into the plot. Why don't we very dangerously dive into the plot? Of course, we open with an animated version of the Earth and a daunting voiceover telling us that the polar ice caps have melted, covering the Earth with water, and those who have survived have adapted to a new world. Water world. It's, well, it's a great opening, right? Because he's pissing in a jar. I was just immediately like, and the Amazon workers are complaining? This guy's yeah. living in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my first question was, is it really that much easier to turn piss into water than to desalinate ocean water? Or is he just like, no, I'd rather it was the piss. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) The thing that really bugged me is like if you're peeing into a jar, you hold the jar. You don't piss onto the floor. Like, how precious is this stuff? Yeah, but they did the same thing with the dirt later, too, where he's, like, proving it's dirt and just, and it's, like, so valuable. And yet he's, like, like, imagine a cocaine lord that's just, like, it's real cocaine. And he's just, like. Into the wind. Like, salt bay with the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) We got dirt bay over here. (laughs) Dirt dirt bay. I mean, I thought the same thing. I couldn't get over it the whole time. I was, like, how valuable these things are. There's, like, they're wasting it in, like, the name of celebration sometimes. They're, like, firing off their guns, like. How precious is this shit? The guy smashed like a full bottle of whiskey at one point. I was like, that can't be easy to come right. by. But like the other point that I didn't realize until now is that he pees in this jar. He empties it into this machine and then collects the water at the end. But there's still some piss in the jar. Oh, because it's the same one? Uh, you mean he didn't wash the jar? Right. Uh, you know, it's water world. <laughs> Desperate times. <laughs> well, I think if you like desalinate your own piss, it probably still tastes like piss. So no matter what you're going to do, it's going to taste like piss. It's just like less. Any process that goes, that works that quickly, I just He's like, it's not so bad. The air tastes like shit at this point. Yeah. Right. Right. I want to talk about something before we move on to anything more about the plot. The point of this movie. So if the polar ice caps melted, the ocean would rise 200 feet. That's it. Mount Everest is 29,000 feet tall. 
Like, so people had to figure out how the rest of this water got in here. So they're looking at, like, there's comic books about this. And people theorized, like, this thing called the Icy Death, which is, like, comets filled with ice that hit the Earth. People are working hard to justify this movie making sense. Is that what you're telling me? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So the epic film we were expecting, we open on a dude drinking his own piss, spit some of his piss onto his little lime tree. He's got this like big boat with all of these inventions and contraptions. And then we're pretty early on introduced to like this weird crime culture, the smokers. They're like the water equivalent of the people who stormed the Capitol. Like they are all (laughs) kind of like white trash. The trailer says it's hundreds of years in the future, but then we're really not sure, like, because Kevin Costner evolves. Does it really say it's hundreds of years? Right, I was thinking that. Like, A, there's enough time for him to evolve. And also, at one point, they described it as a flaw of evolution, which is an interesting oxymoron almost. And then also you have enough time has passed that they don't even know how it happened or that there's a world underneath that was flooded over. Right, like some of them say it's blasphemous to even talk about that. So it's clearly become some kind of, like, tab almost like anti-evolution sect of Christianity. I mean, that makes sense. If they don't have a way of passing information and history, then I guess those things get lost pretty quickly. But like the gill thing, I mean, I was looking it up. It took fish 60 million years to develop gills. Like this dude does it in Kevin two Costner, lifetimes. Just two generations. Somebody <laughs> fucked an animal That's what we got, somewhere. Yeah. Right, it wasn't evolution. That's His mom fucked way. a dolphin. <laughs> Wait, do dolphins... Dolphins, are, they're mammals, no. but they <laughs> they're mammals. So mammals don't have gills, except for Kevin Costner. Yes, that's The right. only right. mammal with gills. The original shark boy. Or Aquaman. <laughs> right. Does Aquaman have gills? Oh, yeah, he does have gills. He does have gills, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's just called Aquaman because he drinks a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> he's good at staying hydrated. He's, like, really obnoxiously reminding his coworkers to stay yes, hydrated throughout the right. day. Thanks a lot, so. Aquaman. That's actually, like, a sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know why people started saying it sincerely. It was always pronounced Aquaman. Well, through generations and generations, you lose the sarcasm. <laughs> it <you know>. evolved. <laughs> right. We have these very backwards bad dudes on jet skis, which is to me is like kind of funny because it's like one of the least masculine forms of transportation I can think of. Like it's so whimsical. I want a Danny McBride on one of them. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we have some early debacles. Some dude steals his limes and then like he approaches this man-made island where everything is like we said, very kind of steampunk mechanical gears and such. And he's got this jar of dirt, which is a super rare commodity. So he's just trying to get in get out, trade his dirt for some water world shillings and or chips, chits. I hate that, man. I generally don't like most like sci-fi fantasy stuff that you would call stuff. Like I actually don't think this movie qualifies as that because it actually is better than that. Like most movies to me that are uh, like outwardly advertised as sci-fi and fantasy suck. And so they have to rely on like advertising the setting of the movie because there's no right. like mm-hmm. comedy or drama or whatever. But I everything just starts to lose me when there's too much just like made up jingle jangle like just like and then we <laughs> traded five quar fox and walked 15 duke dukes and i'm right. like shut up i'm you're like baby talk right Boris, i remember seeing a video that you posted and i've thought about it ever since i watched it about your unpopular take about how sci-fi is not a genre oh yeah i've thought yeah. about it so much 
It's such a good point. People get very bothered by it. They don't like it, especially if they're fans of. I've had people like recommend stuff, and I've given it a fair shot. And there, again, there are sci-fi movies that I like. I just almost would never think of them to describe them as sci-fi. You know, like speaking of The Matrix is a sci-fi movie, but like most people would describe it, I feel like, as an action movie or like as an right. action right. adventure, like something like that, you know? That's the setting. It, it just feels, we it right. feels weird to me right. to just describe everything based on the setting, which is what those movies do. I think that it makes sense. Like you, if you say Matrix is a sci-fi movie, yes, that is correct. But if someone was asking you what The Matrix was, it's like, it's a sci-fi movie, it's really selling it short. So that should be the argument right there. Right, right. right. And most stuff that people are like, check out the sci-fi thing. I feel like I know what I'm expecting, which is yes, like, that's right. I'm, yeah. it's going to be a lot of made up nonsense and not a ton of like funny movements or like really good like mm -hmm. plot devices or, you know. Right. Right. The main device is that everything's weird. Yeah. yeah. The main device is that you're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I do like this movie because I don't think that there's a lot of exposition. They're kind of just throwing you in there. And you're like, true. you know, some things are not going to make sense. Just like either it's you sink or swim. Right. Like you're either going to buy into this or you're not. Yeah. As somebody who normally doesn't like too much of that, this I actually think could have scaled it back a bit and given me a little bit more of the like logical world building. It seems strange to me that although there are like obviously certain advancements that they've had to come to, it also kind of seems like culturally humanity has like taken several giant steps backwards. It almost feels tribal in mm -hmm. a way, like kind of like new religions, new whatevers. And he's trying to get in and out of there, but they stop him and ask him to impregnate a girl because I guess they're all just like breeding with each other and it hasn't been going great. Yeah. Surprise. They're breeding with each other, but somehow there's one Asian person and one white person. How does that work? <laughs> but Yeah, what? I don't know. Yeah, they looked genetically diverse for the lines being. Yeah. They should have just gotten like a family of Hasidic Jews to play that island. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Fuck my daughter, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't we stay clear of that island we just get ripped off every time also you can't just leave you owe us back rent <laughs> <laughs> whereas Spaceballs was to Star Wars we need some kind yes, of Mel Brooks Waterworld spinoff we uh, also hear some whisperings about you know some shifty looking dudes referring to a child with markings on her that will lead to dry land Sorry, Dryland. Oh, right. While Kevy is trying to like get himself off of this island, they do not take very kindly to the fact that he will not impregnate their female population. So the guards attack him and they find out that he has gills. He is a mutant, which is apparently a huge fucking deal. Yeah, you'd think they'd like that. Like, oh, we have someone more adapted to this environment? Why don't you just use he him? He can help us. Like, yeah. He can go and dive and find soil and like also get you fish and shit what is going on here it wasn't that they didn't like that he wouldn't fuck the impregnate the girl it's that they found it suspicious that what kind of man that's been alone at sea oh wouldn't. right yes right and their suspicion right. was valid because the reason that he wouldn't supposedly according to the movie is because he's not a man he's a fish man but yet he does sleep with a woman later on in the movie he does and so he is but a fish man flesh and blood so again going back why wouldn't he maybe impregnate that girl that's true genetic diversity too if he's combining fish man and man 
That's true. This is true. I mean, I have no doubt he could reproduce and probably has sex when he wants to, but I think I would be pretty weirded out if like this tribe of elders like shoved a 14-year-old girl my way and was like, please. And you know, like you're just like, well, you're living during fourth wave feminism, not during a post-apocalyptic <laughs> resurgence of women becoming objects again. This is very true. He has his moments, but he he typically always errs on the side of like, maybe I won't trade this bitch for paper, you know? Right. His morality and like his moral compass, you're not really sure where it's going. It's mostly just going against audiences' expectations at every time. Like when you think he's going to do the right thing, he doesn't. And when you think he won't, he does to try to like create a complicated moral character, I guess. I think actually I found it more simple than that. I feel like whenever it like doesn't matter much in the short run, he does the thing that's like adds the like tension of the movie of like mm -hmm. he's sort of a bad guy that we're taming. But then anytime when it matters, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, he's still the protagonist of the movie you're just not sure sometimes whether he's doing things for like because he's a good person or just because of something else like this we're just not sure whether he just didn't want to have sex with this girl or right. if there's something else going on not his type he's just not into asians <laughs> <laughs> that was the subtext of what i was saying but i'm glad you came out and said it they make it sound so complicated but he's just like all these bitches on tinder that's why they were even more suspicious because they're like, he's not going to, he's out at sea a lot. He's not going to have sex with this young girl. And he's also, Asians aren't his type. Okay. okay. That just doesn't <laughs> exist. Okay. They become suspicious that he's a smoker spy. So I think is what Meanwhile, there so is they... another smoker spy amongst them. Yes. The redheaded smoker spy, which also should have gotten phased out by inbreeding and stuff like that. But <laughs> right. somehow they're still redheaded. I'd expect gills more than gingers a thousand years <laughs> yeah. Into Waterworld. Right. <laughs> well, that's also the thing. They're like, oh, he's a mutant. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, it's another one of those mutants. But then things later in the film make it seem like there's never been a mutant. Are these something, things that happen a lot? Or is this the first one? Right. Right. We don't see any other ones. Except for the redhead. <laughs> no other mutants. <laughs> right. Like, I would more expect more gills than white people, even. Right. They take the mutant prisoner. They put him in a hanging cage. We get to know this little girl, Ebola. No. Enola. <laughs> I feel like uh -huh. you planned that flub. I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna, I wanna see your notes. You wrote down, say Ebola by accident. It'll be great. <laughs> the little girl, COVID-19. <laughs> Enola. Yeah, there you uh, This little girl, Enola, she's coloring horses, which already kind of like tips you off. Like, okay, she's either like, has some kind of, power she's like kind of magical right. or like she's seen some yeah shit. that's Chekhov's horse right there <laughs> right <laughs> he got to reintroduce Perhaps. it if you're good. <laughs> we know that her and who we believe to be her mother is they are trying to escape this place next morning they decide they're going to recycle him which is lower him into this goo yeah, what, what is they... it so yeah, it, it looked it, like quicksand no or idea. something but yeah my assumption is it's gonna like break him down in some way to make him usable yeah but then he's in the goo and it doesn't break him down right i was expecting that to be like acid that you can't touch because they like dump their dead in there right but it's something about like they're recycling it to like grow things right i mean they keep like right. chanting that mantra i don't know what this yeah. thing is but it's clearly not acid. Yeah, you can touch it. At the last second, before he's lowered down, a huge gang of smokers on jet skis start approaching. We have this huge battle scene. They're like, we're safe behind these walls. And then 
the walls are like made of paper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're like shooting holes through it immediately. Well, that was another one of those moments where like, yes, make the whole movie like that, where the guy is like super campy, like we're safe behind these walls. Aren't we? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Just, just exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Shoot fish straight through the walls. <laughs> yeah, like a guy just turns and is like, we're safe behind these walls. Aren't we? Achoo! <laughs> just the whole <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's now like a Monty Python movie. Right. I mean, this battle scene, I honestly think it's kind of cool. And like the army of wave runners, I'm like, oh, this is so tight. But also <laughs> it gets so confusing. They need to wear like colors or something because you don't know whose team anyone is on. So everyone's just mm-hmm. like blowing up. This is definitely why like he needed to be in the edit. Somebody gave up on this because like they ran out mm. of footage. They're just showing like mm. random explosions and stuff happening. There's not like a causal really. You know what was the biggest one to me? Where yes. like, oh, they definitely just cut something out for budget when they're like complaining that they're hungry. And he like lures himself in as bait for this fish. And then this giant monster fish goes to eat him and you hear a gunshot and then it just cuts to them eating a piece of fish. And presumably yeah. it's yeah. like, what was it? It's not that obvious to me how he got out of being eaten by this giant thing by shooting a little harpoon inside it. There was like four times I felt the same way where like she would be like, maybe he has food. And then like all of a sudden it's like a jump cut to something else. And it's like, did they just not have time? There's a longer version of this movie that has like 40 more minutes tacked. Really? Oh, why didn't we plan and watch that? (laughs) It's a lot less longer. The old man who's trying to help the two girls escape, he has built this kind of like a hot air balloon and he accidentally falls on a lever which inflates the hot air balloon prematurely and so fucking goofy he, yeah. so see like another moment they could have really leaned into this character does not fit in this movie yeah like how did he accidentally do it but there wasn't like a whoa 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right right yeah. exactly slip on a metal banana peel or something <laughs> right a replica punk banana peel just on some, a bunch of marbles are on the floor yeah, for some reason yeah. and you know this thing is inflating and there's there's apparently no off switch whatsoever. So he hops on and leaves without them. Kevin Costner's cage falls right into the goo. And mom basically is like, I'll break you out if you take us with you. And he's like, deal. The ginger guy is back. He's like, okay, time to capture this girl. They get the big gates to open. The two girls jump on the boat. He harpoons an enemy boat. Turns it around to shoot the other boat. And that guy just kept shooting. That I didn't. I was like, is he blind or is his are his goggles just fogged up? But, like, they're just like, oh, no, he'll shoot in any direction we turn him. I think that's what it is. I think, like, most people are really dumb. Yeah. Well, they're all inbred. I don't think he's smart enough to figure it out. It's like in Super Mario Brothers. He's, like, dealing with a bunch of Goombas. They're um, non-player characters. (laughs) Yeah, they're NPCs. (laughs) Right. It's like in... um, What's it called? Anchorman, where they're like, he'll read whatever you put on the teleprompter. <laughs> yes, right. They're exactly. just like, whatever, he'll wherever shoot you face his you boat. Put his boat <laughs> <laughs> so he blows up the boat that the deacon is on, and that is how he loses his eyeball. He's like, adios, cousins, and jumps off, but then he's in engulfed in flame like they're he's just covered in flame <laughs> like you had to wait and to give a some kind of sign off like some kind of catchphrase i think he's all about the pageantry of it yeah we want more of that yeah i'll take right, as much as right. you want to give me of that to be honest he saves both of them right agrees to save both of them and then they're out in open water and immediately he's like well gotta throw the kid overboard i was like why did you even take them 
if you were right. just going to toss her over. The mom character is like, you've been at sea a long time. We could just get sexy so that you'll keep my daughter on the boat. That doesn't work. Which it looks like it's going to for a hot second. But Definitely. Then... He starts to like lean in a little bit and then he sees her kind of like recoil. And then he's like, well, mm-hmm. if you don't want me, I don't want you. Kind of thing. <laughs> right. Boner killer. Such a little yeah. immature baby. A little romance would go a long way up in these waters. It would have gone right. a long way for this movie, too, if we had a little more. <laughs> she, like, points a harpoon gun at him. So he drops the sail over her and then knocks her out with a boat oar. Again, it's these back and forth moments of, like, well, he's good enough not to, like, have sex with her, but he'll still club her over the head. Yeah, I mean, he, like, beats her up through most of this movie. Physically, just, like, kind of wallops her. And the movie's very approving of it, you know? I mean, I think, again, they needed more of it, not less is the thing. It's weird because it's a small amount, but if you just lean in and it's like, yes, it's post-apocalyptic, everyone's cartoonishly brutish. Right. Like, at this point, like, everyone's, like, covered in oil and the few women around are the ones that are, like, going to be, like, basically kept around by the dudes that are all killing each other. I think you don't even really know where he falls in the hierarchy of like brutishness within this world because it seems like this is a cold and unforgiving world. Like everyone is terrible in this world. And he almost seems like at times that he's rising above it. And then at times he's more brutal than other people in the world. Like, I don't know. I would expect him to lean more heavily into the red to like his reptile brain, considering like (laughs) he's physically evolving back into an animal. Devolving just like in Super Mario Brothers again. So many layers. (laughs) Yeah. All of them lead down to Super Mario Brothers. So we head over to the bad guys camp and they are creating a fake eyeball for the deacon. (laughs) And see, like, this is one of the few moments of comedy that I really enjoyed where everyone's like, it looks great. He, like, asks one of the teenagers, how does it look? And he's like, it looks like shit. Then he looks in the mirror and he's like, it does look like shit. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> like that more of that yeah more of that i would love yeah. that the better moments we get kind of an introduction here into this the whole bad guy operation which is like kind of its own little weird subculture of dirty people they're on a oil tanker and they are running out of fuel so that's why they are desperate to find this girl so they can find dry land and they all smoke cigs i don't know how they still have cigarettes he's like chain smoking cigarettes and like literally throwing them to his his weasels or whatever the people <laughs> like, is it 300 years in the future? How many cigarettes do we have? And no jewels. And no jewels, right. Well, there was a, a huge stash probably in like a warehouse because in the U.S. they made them illegal in 2022. <laughs> that's right. Yes, right. That's right. <laughs> so the rest were just storage until the apocalypse hit. And everyone's like, the U.S. government is gone. We can smoke again. <laughs> Right. Like the end of prohibition. <laughs> so we cut back to the boat. Enola is coloring. She finds some crayons and she's coloring all over the boat with the crayons, which pisses him off so much that he throws her overboard. I thought there was going to be some kind of backstory. Like one, why does he have a box of crayons? He's like kind of very possessive over these box of crayons. So I figured we're going to learn that like he had a family who died and that's why he's so kind of hardened and like those were his kids' oh, crayons or something. I like that. Maybe it's in the, the other version. I think that would have been pretty cool. Also, like, you would not have gotten a full box of crayons from underwater intact. They would have disintegrated, like, within yeah. like, a few days, probably. Yeah. Exactly. They must have been wrapped. Yeah, they're vacuum sealing all, the, all that stuff. Cigarettes, crayons, the necessities. Yeah, he'd just already eaten part of that crayon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. It's like, these are for snacks. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not for trying. It's like licking them off the side of the boat. <laughs> he throws her overboard. The mom jumps in after her and then he lets them back on. Just in time for some smokers in a plane to attack, which this is the plane driven by who I'm assuming is Jack Black. He goes downstairs. The mom thinks he's just being a coward. So she grabs the harpoon gun, shoots it right through the guy shooting them. But it gets stuck. So like the plane is like wrapping this rope around the boat. But as a punishment for fucking with his harpoon gun, he grabs her and just chops off all of her hair. Which I was just like, why? Because the girl mentioned that he would look better with his hair short. Oh. A fish never forgets. You haven't heard that before? (laughs) 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 That old memory about how good the memory of a goldfish is. That would have been such a fun addition to the movie. If in addition to having gills, he also had like a super short memory because that's how fish are. (laughs) Every 10 minutes, he turns around and is like, how'd you get in my boat? (laughs) It was like memento. (laughs) Covered in crayon marks. That's right. No dry land. (laughs) The Hindu guy stole your limes from your tree. Fine Hindu guy. Yeah. Never forgive. Never forget. (laughs) I love the idea of him just waking up every day. It's like, what the fuck is all this water doing everywhere? They come across this kooky dude. This guy is fucking nuts. And basically, he's got some paper, a few pieces of paper, and wants to trade it for fucking the girls. This part when I was a kid, this is like one of the parts that really stuck with me. I was freaked out by this guy when I was a kid. Was it because it was a white man playing a Hindu person and you were like, there's something not right about that. Yeah. I can tell. I'm ahead of my years. It was. I knew that I didn't like cultural appropriation like at a very young age. Like unstable psychopaths have always been very scary to me. Oh, weird. I really like them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an unusual trait, Jazz. Can you expand on that? It's like this weird thing. Just not for me. The unpredictability of this guy. And then the fact that Kevin Costner's like, all right, you've got 30 minutes. Also, like not for nothing, he's got a full collection of National Geographic downstairs. Like, he's got paper. That's just his jerk-off material. (laughs) Honestly. They're like, how does he turn down a woman? This is how. He's been beating it to National Geographic every day on the water. Just pictures of land. (laughs) Antelopes. The mountains look like titties. (laughs) He goes down and is like, deals off. They have a knife fight. Nothing about it is surprising. You're just like, yeah, that's probably exactly how we would devolve as a society i think people like this movie too because it, it just as soon as you watch it it's almost hard to like pay attention to the movie because you're thinking of all the different ways that the world would change right or like what reading materials would be worth having sex with me in the new yes, world yes right you're making your your whole like a uh, monetary system in your head for right yeah. right <laughs> and it's a map i'd want to be hey i got a copy of gulliver's travels yeah, right. <laughs> traded for some bullets <laughs> right Like, no backdoor action unless you've got Harry Potter. (laughs) Crazy dude is dead. And, yeah, then we get to this part where they're like, we have to eat. Kevin Costner casts himself out on a line, basically using himself as bait with a harpoon gun until this huge sea monster eats him, which then we can, now we have to also assume that sea monsters exist. Right. He harpoons it from the inside and then just jump cut to now we're barbecuing sea monster meat. Which I would say with like 90% accuracy was monkfish. <laughs> yes, it, it looked, does look it like, looks monk, like, like monkfish. Monk <laughs> yeah, it really did. So next we learn like a few things in a row. We learn that the little girl can't swim. Kevin Costner has webbed toes. That the mom is not her mom. 
then Kevin Costner, like, I guess just has a change of heart and decides to teach her how to swim in this very uh, sweet underwater slow-mo scene. I think this was one of the scenes I was texting during a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a long kind of slow-mo music sequence. I was also like, why do they keep doing so many shots of her like staring at them so intensely? Like we get it. She likes what's going on. Move on. Like we need to get through this movie. <laughs> but it's not even, she's not even staring like, oh, they're bonding. Like she's like, like it's like very weird and intense, but they never really explain it. There's not a lot of great acting in this movie, to be honest, where you, you're very sure about what anyone's thinking at any time. <laughs> no, they should have leaned into the cartoonishness, the Dennis Hopper cartoonishness for sure. They should have just had everyone and now do it kind of crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Take right, three takes right. of everything. And, and then once you figure it out, Kevin Costner is in the editing chair. Like, no, this makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're all smoldering, and then Dennis Hopper is like, making things interesting yes so they come across this barge full of dead bodies tied to strings like marionettes kevin costner is shot like in the abdomen and we never really no address it like he's like shot but it then he but he's just fine those bullets don't do much because they also hit the girl at the end with that and when she falls off the thingy wait she gets shot at the end yeah he hits her with something and she falls off the balloon thing I thought oh, it just like right. n- n- I thought it just like shakes the balloon and since she's sitting on the edge she tips off. Yeah, but how does that work? I, I mean, I thought I saw it hit her directly, but I'm not sure. But either way, there's some logical inconsistencies with the ammunition in this movie. Yeah, I guess bullets aren't so bad. Wait, or did they hit him with a tracker? Is that what it was? I don't it know. It could be an I mean, analog tracker. <laughs> in my <laughs> you have to crank a wheel. <laughs> it's just connected to a really long piece of floss, and they just a tracker, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just are kind of slowly pulling themselves over. Right after that, they do the thing where he like takes her underwater to look at the city down there. But I'm like, you only escaped these guys like five minutes ago. So they're probably still very close. So I don't know why we're surprised when we come back up and they're like already on the boat. Yeah, he's remarkably like safe at some points. And then at this point, he's just like, no, I should show you the underwater city because it looks really cool and it's going to look awesome on film. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be only. <laughs> it seemed like poor timing to me, but in any case. cut this. He... We spent. $40 million filming <laughs> Building an underwater city. <laughs> we really flooded yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Or Denver, I guess God. is what it is. We didn't change anything else. We just flooded it. But yes, that's right. It looks exactly the same. is all there. <laughs> is that the city it's supposed to be? I think be? it's Denver. I'm not sure. This whole time, he's telling them that he's taking them to dry land. He like finally reveals, like, dry land is a myth. And then he's like, you want to see dry land? Puts her in this little bubble. Love that bubble. I kept waiting for, like, the pressure to be, like, so intense in there that her head exploded. Yeah, how did they come up and not get the bends? I right. mean, none of and it. And also, how is he lighting? I didn't know you could light flares underwater. Oh, I think you can do that. No, those are flares. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Like, as I figured, you needed some kind of flame. If you light three flares, it doesn't illuminate the entire ocean. I mean, I know I'm splitting hairs right now, but, like... Right. All of Denver. (laughs) All of Denver. (laughs) But we do see now sort of like where he's getting his dirt from, where he's finding all of his little contraptions. And so realistically, he could live down there full time if he wanted to. That's true. Start a little fish family. Yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't. Get a nice Asian girl. (laughs) (laughs) If he wasn't such a bigot. (laughs) Not into it. This is where it started. They're still trying to hawk them to successful white men, and it just That's is like, right. it's not. That's right. What is this, Harvard? <laughs> <laughs> oh 
So they come back up from their underwater adventure, and all the smokers are on the ship. They capture the girl. Kevin and mom go underwater where they make out so that she can breathe. Does this make sense? I don't care if he has gills. Can he, does he create oxygen? How does he breathe into her? No, the whole point of gills is that you breathe, you take oxygen out of the water, I guess. So like the water needs to pass through your gills for you to breathe under there. Right. So he would just be blowing carbon dioxide? Yeah, I don't see how that, can you imagine? He's just like spitting water into her mouth. (laughs) Enola is with the deacon now and they're like questioning her and she is like, he's going to save me. He's my friend, which I'm kind of like, he taught you to swim one time. Like, I don't know why we're so like hell bent on the fact that he gives a shit. Yeah. When he's like threatened to throw you off this boat 40 times. You know what this movie could have used is uh, more of a soundtrack. I didn't realize it while watching it, but like during that little monologue, something to like lean into the like kind of comic book narrator aspect of it. Totally. The romantic stuff where it's like kind of going, will they, won't they? All that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm maybe it was there and I didn't notice, but it couldn't have been that good if it, to me it felt like it was right. lacking. It. Apparently, they fired the person that did the score at first, and then they brought in somebody else. But I, I was it Stang? Yeah, it was they Stang. brought in we- Weird Al, and it didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, it was all polka parodies based on the plot. Right, right. It was just under the sea. Yeah, Weird Al <laughs> without lyrics is that, uh, turns out not that great. Yeah. Like being inside a Chuck E. Cheese, I would imagine, like is what that would sound like. He's actually a pretty talented musician on the accordion. He's like a virtuoso wow. sort of on it. Yeah. And they're about to make a movie about him. Oh, yeah. Who's starring? Oh, yeah, with uh, what's his name from Harry Potter? Daniel Radcliffe oh, yeah. is going to play. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Interesting choice. Daniel Radcliffe wearing Jew face once again. (laughs) Culturally appropriated. (laughs) Wait, what was the other one? Oh, just another another case of cultural appropriation. Oh, okay. I didn't know if Daniel Radcliffe was like a repeat offender and I was about to be like... You didn't know that Harry Potter was Jewish? (laughs) I missed the whole bar mitzvah scene. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's in the third book. That's where he gets his magic power. (laughs) Right. That's right. Those spells are straight out of the Kabbalah. (laughs) If you don't read the Torah, right, you're just like a muggle for life. It doesn't really ever happen for you. So the boat is destroyed. Kevin and mom are... Sounds like I'm talking about Home Alone. Kevin and mom (laughs) are in this boat and... uh, they're like, we're basically going to die here. So, which always makes people horny is from what I've. It's true. She's like, back when I offered myself to you, why didn't you take me? He was like, because you didn't really want me. Not really. And then they start making out and totally go for it. Yeah. I thought they could have milked that sex scene a little bit more. I want to see if he has a fish stick, but I don't know. Right. Maybe that's probably why they, maybe that's why they didn't. Because people were like, how far does this go? Maybe they already sunk too much money into this and they're like we cannot cgi this fish stick onto kevin costner oh also another fun fact uh kevin costner required that they cgi his hairline to like cgi out his receding hairline and it cost a lot of money wait surely there's a way to do that that's not cgi practically yeah i don't know i i read it on some ridiculous list so it might right, not be right like just right, give him but... a better hair piece or something yeah also like so the dirt is valuable and that maybe makes sense, even though I'm like, they can get mud on a seafloor or something. Although I guess they can't get down to a seafloor, yeah. and that's why he... Right. But then, like, the cigarettes obviously is a little odd. But what should be super valuable in this world is sunscreen. How is that <laughs> not the thing they're all trading in? By that lovemaking scene, that's when I was really like, Jesus Christ, they've been out there for a while, and they don't have a ton of melanin going on. 
That's right. They should be covered in bruises. <laughs> right, right. I mean, maybe they didn't have to do that much makeup. They really can't get out of that sun. I mean, apparently the bathrooms didn't work on that atoll. So they had to boat, like when people needed to go to the bathroom, they needed to take them. Drink on- their own piss. <laughs> yeah, they had to drink their own shit. That's my nightmare because I just hate letting people know when I have to go right. to the bathroom. Like that's something I just don't want to announce. And so for them to be like, all right, bring in the boat, the other, other boat so that this bitch can pee. Like that's, bring in the I, bigger that's my boat. nightmare. <laughs> yeah. it seems like it's going to be a big one. Is it going to be a number two? Bring in the two boat. We Can we get a number two boat? <laughs> Kevin finds these drawings from Enola and she's drawn a palm tree, which he recognizes from an old National Geographic, you know, although the pages are stuck together with cum. <laughs> so I think in his mind, he's like, okay, she had to have come from dry land. The old man finds them on his flying machine after he saw the smoke from their boat. He's like, good idea lighting your boat on fire. I was able to find you. Right. They climb on board and he takes them to a boat with other survivors. Back on the oil tanker, it's clear that the deacon is like this kind of like the cult leader of these people and they like praise him like a god. They're pretty subordinate though, to be honest. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. I think they're kind of crazy and stupid so he can just kind of like control them. But it gave me big like hook energy. He's exactly like Captain Hook. Oh, yeah. With cigarettes. But it's the same kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. where he needs to like go and like appease these idiots so they row his boat and do all of his dirty work. You know, he's got a Smee. Like, it's the same thing, pretty much. This movie could have used a Tinkerbell, I feel like. Did we not have her? Isn't it Elroy or whatever her name? <laughs> Enola. Gregor. Gregor. <laughs> yeah, Gregor. The deacon is, like, riling everybody up, basically promising them that they're going to find dry land with the help of this child. So, like, they're like, great, let's get to work. Let's just fucking row this boat. And he was like, they're never going to know that I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'll figure it out. Right. So after all this, like, sneaking through this boat, though, he, like, just walks right up to them and... We have now this massive action sequence. It's just a lot of flames, a lot of shooting. Deacon grabs the girl and puts her on this plane, the seaplane. And as the plane's taking off, Kevin harpoons it with a wire and then zip lines down it and then connects this hook to something and it rips off the bottom of the plane so that it can't take off and it crashes. He grabs Enola as the ship is sinking and burning and they climb up into the flying machine. I, at this point, thought that the Deacon was dead. Of course. Just, like nowhere yeah. to be found in the plane. But... Surprise, he's not because this movie never fucking is over. So he shoots the flying machine and Enola falls out into the water from like 100 feet in the air. 100% would be dead, yeah. Kevin, this is probably, I mean, and we've seen a lot of water stunts. This is probably the least believable, most kind of like a... Slapsticky thing that we're talking about, yeah. This is straight up Looney Tunes that he ties a bungee cord to his ankle (laughs) jumps off the flying machine, grabs her out of the water and zips like zoop back up into the air, leaving the three jet skis that were racing towards her in the middle to crash into each other and explode. As if he didn't grab her. Right. Right. <laughs> like my what was the plan, my dudes? Well, the three of them would hit her soft body and explode <laughs> her, but then they would be safe because it's like a bumper. But then they would lose the map. But you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah, that's right. Why does him grabbing her? That yeah, was like a Blues Brothers car crash. It is. Yeah, type of goof. Right. <laughs> they are able to figure out the coordinates on Enola's. But I love how like they've been trying to figure it out. And the whole thing is like, oh, they're just 
backwards. We should have been going like, into her butt, and we were trying to go into her head. <laughs> the map was a suppository. Shove the girl in your ass. <laughs> Dry land is a myth, but there is lots of dirt. (laughs) We set off towards dry land. After a long journey, they see a seagull and then a mountain range. They're over dry land. They found it. There's fresh water. There's waterfalls. They find a hut in the woods with a skeleton couple inside. Enola winds this music box and says, my home. And I was just like, that's all the explanation we're going to get? Like, one, what happened to the civilization of people that were living here? I don't know if it was ever a civilization, right? It was just like her parents died in that bed or whatever. Yeah, so I think they they give like a couple clues where it's like the things that are there are the exact designs on her back. And they're like testing out the drawings. So they tattooed her and sent her out into the, the wilderness to get people to come back, I'm guessing. And that's how she knows that this is her home, this is her parents, and that kind of explains where she came from. Uh, there's just a lot. I know. Like, I just feel like there's still a lot of unanswered questions. And also, like, so I guess it was just her family that, like, escaped to this one place in the wilderness. And then... She was raised by horses. <laughs> right. She was drawing her parents. Right. <laughs> right. Like, how did she get hundreds of miles away, like, out to sea? I don't know. You know, like, how did she end up with Helen? Yeah. Oh, actually, they did say that they found her floating in a basket, didn't they? Oh, was that actually right? Okay. (laughs) There was something that, yeah, they said that, like, it was in the same basket that we found her in. And I forget what that was. Oh, shit, I think you're right, right. But there was something like that. Kevin Costner, even though he's been, like, fascinated with dry land, he's not to be obnoxious, but a fish out of water, so to speak. And he just has to go because he belongs out there in the deep, blue and so i guess like they all have land sickness like he says at one point like the land sickness is not really it like he just doesn't feel comfortable in like he's a he's a fish (laughs) so he's gonna go back (laughs) to the ocean (laughs) this didn't make it to the last cut but they had this like huge like plan of the eaves moment shot that's in the other one where they like uncover some type of monument that says they're at mount everest i don't know i mean i don't even want to try to figure out like if there's a place in Nepal that you could, I don't know, never mind. (laughs) It's not worth it. Yeah. He sets back out to sea. They wave him, wave goodbye to him from the shore. And that's the end. Even after talking about all the different plot holes of this movie, and I know that there are so many and so many parts of it that are stupid. I still just really like this movie. I can't, I can't really explain why. I just love the whole world that they create. I think it was when I was a kid. I just loved all that steampunk shit it was so cool to me and i had never seen mad max so this maybe was like my introduction to it when everyone else had already like had theirs and like there's just some like things that freaked me out and i really liked that kind of stuff when i was a kid like really weird scenes like roger ebert said that would stick with you i just still like it i just still think this movie is good uh so i'm gonna give this movie seven glasses of piss out of ten damn you stole my Sorry. It's all good. I agree that they do create a pretty cool world. As much money as they burned, I feel like they could have done more. They could have done better to like, again, like we've said, sort of made it a little bit more fun, sort of lean into the whimsical of this world, even though it's still kind of like a dark, grungy, post-apocalyptic, dangerous place. 
Uh, I feel like they could have inserted a little more magic. Like, you know, the same kind of awe and wonder that we felt in like the first Jurassic Park, for example. Like, I feel like it was missing that kind of, which also could have helped, been helped by like a better score, as you mentioned. But I also just feel like they put the energy too much into one place, which was the stunts, the sets, the explosions, and not enough into like, the writing or character development or making us care about any of them or like what's going on with them. So I'm going to give this movie four monkfish steaks. Out of? Out of 10. <laughs> four out of four monkfish steaks. I love this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ignore how much money they spent on it because, you know, time has passed, sunk costs. It ain't my money. I care about mm. what the government's doing with my taxes, not what... <laughs> whatever the director's <laughs> name again was is doing with the budget <laughs> for this movie there's been a lot of money spent on a lot of shitty movies and it, you know what if it broke even in the end that's better than most honestly right. so uh i'm gonna give it six and a half ripped off rear view mirrors out of ten i think it was fine enough it held my attention enough it would have been a million times better if they just leaned into like the campy goofiness mm-hmm. of it and decided that that's what mm-hmm. the movie should be but I know that's not what they were going for but also like once they saw Dennis Hopper doing his thing they should have been like this is what works in in the editing mm-hmm. bay I'm sure they got some other footage but once they saw that it looks like shit moment it's viscerally and it, like oh there it is you know there it is that's that's what the movie should be it's a fucking goofy ass super ham fist it was probably one of the earliest like ham fisting that like global warming apocalypse like right. movie Al Gore's mm-hmm. we're gonna warn you with our film type of things of the time and then since then I feel like we've had like 5,000 movies like that but um right but yeah six six and a half it's enjoyable enough lots to complain about but that kind of makes it enjoyable in its own way as well totally agreed i agree totally agreed. i agree i would have loved to see this movie directed by steven spielberg i feel like i want to see it directed by uh quentin tarantino <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> lars von trier version of this movie where it's just like mostly real sex and stuff <laughs> Well, I want a Seth Rogen version where everyone's stoned. (laughs) Your fingering is Gil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't do that laugh at all. Well, Boris, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I would love to open the floor and let you let people know where they can find you, what you have coming up, like what we should know about you. Fucking sure. Sell it, boy. Uh, I'm just getting out of my hole because I had this baby. But uh, if Yay. people are in New York, they should go to, on July 7th, Bushwick Bears at Cobra Club. Uh, and then another good one. Oh, actually, I'll be over by you in Philly at the Fittler Club, but I think it's a private... Oh, club so i'm not sure if people can go if they're not part of the club oh, but i'm headlining wow. at the fiddler club in philly on the 28th and one more fun one that i would mention in august 12th and 13th there's a giant music festival called music fest in bethlehem pennsylvania and they have a comedy Ooh. tent and i'll be at the comedy tent for on the 12th and 13th awesome so fun where can people find you on social media at the Boris K on all the things. Go check him out. Laugh at his stuff. His comedy is 
fucking hilarious. And I don't just say that about all of our guests. Um, I say that about this guest because I have to because he's friends with my husband. (laughs) And no, his shit is really fucking funny. So check him out. Go ahead and leave a rating or review if you've been listening in. We so appreciate it. Reach out to us on social media at millennialmovieclub.com. Nope. At Millennial Movie Club. (laughs) And let us know what movie you would like to hear about next or any guests that you would like to recommend, whether that's yourself or somebody you're a big fan of. Yeah, thanks, Boris. This is a long time in the making, but this is so fun. Uh, Just everyone go follow Boris. It's so fucking funny. It's just maybe my favorite follow on social media. So uh, really, thank you for coming on. It was such a great time thanks for having me thanks for taking time away from your newborn face <laughs> it was fun yeah I'm staring at it out of the corner of my eye bye everybody thanks, we're gonna everybody. go look at this baby bye thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review we are millennials we kind of need the validation for even more goodies be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram later, later days, days.